Everybody, I am so sorry for letting you down the past three weeks. It's been a turbulent time in our host's life. But the good news is I'm back to my weekly podcast. I got a badass dude for episode 24. But before I get to that, Craigcast is brought to you by New Roast. New Roast makes coffee shop quality coffee and whole food coffee creamers enhanced with the ancient superfood mushrooms. Yes, mushrooms. For better focus, energy, and well-being. Each mushroom in New Roast Organic Mushroom Blend has a unique health benefit, like lion's manes for better focus, cordyceps for longer-lasting energy, and chaga for antioxidants and skin health. The best part? You won't taste the mushrooms at all. Just a bold cup of coffee with notes of chocolate and cinnamon. And if you're looking to make your mornings a little bit better, I highly suggest checking out New Roast. That's N-E-U, Roast. If you can't spell roast, I'm sorry, you might not be able to order it. Get some mushroom coffee today and get 20% off your order at newroast.com with code CRAIGCAST, all capital letters at checkout. And as always, New Roast offers a 100% money back guarantee if you aren't totally satisfied. This podcast is also brought to you by Rondack Chairs and Furniture, handcrafted with you in mind. If you're sick of buying those plastic chairs, you know those Adirondack chairs you see outside of drugstores, consider a folding Rondack chair made of cedar with a beautiful glossy finish. Or maybe it's time to consider a custom piece of furniture made specifically for you. If you'd like to see some of Rondak's work, check him out on Facebook at Rondak Chairs and Furniture or on Instagram at Mr. Underscore Rondak. And the best part about his chairs? And I'll give you the three best parts. One, made in America. Two, built to last. And three, the folding design is honestly pretty genius and takes up a lot less room than a regular Adirondack chair. So check him out. He's going to make something you'll love forever. Hashtag got to get a Rondack. This episode is also brought to you by NoTax. And NoTax is basically a full service forum, whether you have bookkeeping needs, whether you're interested in maybe, maybe running your business a little bit more from your phone. Now, me personally, I'm a user of QuickBooks Self-Employed. And the way I used to do it is all year I'll gather up receipts And then at the end of the year, I would spend a good day or two going through receipts, making sure I got everything. And now it's it's a lot easier using QuickBooks Self-Employed Mobile. Basically, when I'm in the parking lot of whether it's Tractor Supply Co., Makis Building Supplies, Adirondack Hardware, um, any any local business that I that I go to, I get my receipt, I hop in the car, I take a picture of it, and it basically logs the receipt for me. If some of it was personal, some of it was business, I could split the expenses. So if you want to simplify running your own small business, or even for personal use, if you just want to get a better handle on your budget, get in touch with NoTax, and they can help you out on the web at plattsburghtax.com and on all those social medias at K-N-O-W-Tax. So check them out. They will have a solution for you. Now this week, I'm here with my great friend, Mr. Forrest Edwards, he is a senior accountant at Alexander Edwards & Co. He's a fellow Rotarian, and he's a board member of the Adirondack Young Professionals. Thank you for joining me in the Craigcast studio, Forrest. Thank you for having me. No worries. So you've already... You've already been on a few podcasts. I guess you're uh, you're you're gaining in popularity. I think, I think a few is more than one, but yeah, this would be the few. <laughs> is, this, is this number two? Two, yes. You haven't been on any like secret accounting? <laughs> no, podcasts yeah, like no, no, no underground podcasts. Um, I was on Stories of Gumption with Ryan Lee. Shout out to Ryan Lee. 
a fellow Rotarian and a fellow. Well, actually, he's the boss. He's the president of ADK. El Presidente. But yeah, man. I mean, it's it's fun. I like podcasts. I mean, it's a good way to get a message out. And besides the golf course, when are me and you just gonna hang out for three hours straight? <laughs> Where's the exit of this place? Yeah, right. <laughs> I make sure to always lock the door after my guests come in to make them make them feel really comfortable. <laughs> I don't know. I'm always worried. Even when I did the mortgage minutes, like I'd always lock the door because I, I can't believe a customer never came Someone in. Someone walk in live minute. while you're in the middle of doing it. Somebody has knocked on the window before, but it wasn't like, it wasn't too bad. And, and Travis just turned around and was like, one minute. <laughs> so, so bring me, bring me back to the beginning, Mr. Edwards. What was it? July 31st, 1982. <laughs> I didn't know you were a July baby too. Yeah. Can't be, you can't be giving that stuff out online. I know, bro. right? Yeah. It's all good if they want to. That's how I feel like for the farm. Like I have my address up and it's like we're a business. Like if somebody wants to find you, it's not like they can't find you. If someone can pay for any information they want from you, it's all available out there in the web. It's so scary. Have you ever had anything hacked? No, I haven't. Nope. I've been I've been relatively lucky. I've only had small hacks. I keep a pretty good lock on my credit profile. I mean, I don't have actually like a credit freeze or anything like that on there, but I monitor it. What, however often the Credit Karma updates, I think it's weekly. Yeah. So, I mean, if... Well, I was pumped, too, My when I got the... Because I was wondering, I'm like, I wonder how good my credit, like, just the monitoring and stuff. And the second I got... Um, shout out to Della Toyota. The second I got my credit pulled, I got an email right, right away. Yeah, so. that's instant. Yeah. If someone does an inquiry, the... Did you have to use Credit Karma, too? Yeah. Yeah. It, I, I've done it before where I've applied for something and then, like... Before they can even make a decision, the credit karma is already warning me that something has happened. Yeah, I feel like, I almost feel like it's too hard. Like, I guess people maybe could make fake credit in your name, but it seems like it's too hard. I feel like credit card scams are like a big thing now where people will just take take a little bit and then later do a lot. Like, that's, that's the only good thing about using a credit card traveling. Actually, now that you say that, it just reminded me. I did have like a my debit card number stolen basically and it was like um two payments made at a mobile gas station in brooklyn one across the street from the other of like 50 60 dollars and a community bank had already caught it and shut my card down before even anything had happened after that yeah the only time i've actually had my money taken is it was really small it was like two dollars and it was basically through my paypal account and then but it got taken out of my bank because it was just hooked, hooked right up yeah just scary world out there, man. I feel like the black market, you could probably buy whatever you want on people. I'm pretty sure you can. <laughs> I'm not advocating or anything. Yeah. But... <laughs> well, no, I mean, you got to like you got to keep up on your stuff. Like I I don't know. I there's definitely a big market for it and it, I feel like it's probably I wonder if it's harder now cuz I It's huge like for so for our industry in, in public accounting. Um, recently Walter's Kluwer was subject to one of the biggest hacks of a financial company like that in recent history for that I can ever remember. Um, we have our website through Walters Kluwer. That's So it's very limited, but Walters Kluwer also offers tax products, um, all sorts of different solutions for thousands of clients nationwide. And they were subject to uh, some sort of malware attack. I forgot the name of it. It had a really cool name. Um, and it shut down their website and shut down almost all of their services. They basically pulled the plug on all operations live basically didn't really say anything to anyone no one knew we just thought our website was down yeah and pulled it off and then just you call the customer service number and it's just like ringing going to nobody i'm sorry we can't come to the phone right now (laughs) so it was like kind of crazy recent thing and 
it happens all the time. I mean, we are constantly we spend a lot of money protecting our we our servers, so much on the servers, protecting like a lot of you know cloud backups and you know all all the different security measures. And it's like these people are get tricky. I mean, they send we get they, so there's like a attempt like you've heard of phishing attempts. There's like mm-hmm. ones that called spear phishing, where they actually physically know something about you or your business or who something like that. So we'll get ones that like between my dad and I, like my dad, it's they spoof my name send it to him with a separate email and it will be like, Oh dad, check out this website about what we were talking about the other day. And it's like this link to some rando site that goes to somewhere in Russia, probably who knows. Um, (laughs) Always trying to steal our info. So it's, it's pretty crazy. It's tough out there. Get your credit karma, save or yeah, save up money too. And just keep your stuff hidden, man. It's, I don't know. Yeah. Like, we're lucky because we have a ton of bank security here, and I try and do, like, all my banking and stuff here, so I don't have to worry. But I wonder I wonder if, like, 4G or 5G can ever get hacked. Like, I almost feel like social media sites are, like, more safe from external hacking than, like, banking websites sometimes. And I don't know why I feel like that. It's probably stupid. Well, but it's a bigger target, you know? You think of the banks, more, the more stuff you can do, the more valuable stuff they can do with it. Yeah. I don't know. So we're on a on a little tangent about yeah. about so back where security. I started, born and born and raised Plattsburgh, New York. Um, so what was what was Plattsburgh like when you were like growing up? Like were you um, it was how old cool. were you when the base closed? Oh, so I don't know what year it closed in ninety something. Ninety six. Ninety six. So I would have been fourteen. Um, yeah, it was weird. It was like so like my whole life growing up here, like the base was like this like taboo thing like you could only go on there during fireworks once a year or during air shows or something like that and it was very secretive like you know you'd go there and there'd be guys sitting there with m16s <laughs> like what is your business here who are you here to see um and so like when they opened the base that was the weirdest thing to me like when they actually opened the base and you were able to drive on the base it was like I, circle, you feel like you shouldn't be there like it was just this weird feeling the circle at yondos used to be where the that's where the gate was, right? Uh, yeah, just past the parking lot there. Yeah. There was there was the gate there. Then the other gate was um, right as where that roundabout is now. Mm-hmm. As you go down to like where the old stone barracks, that right there was another one. And then there was another one coming out on Hamilton Street. Mm-hmm. And then there was a few down the road there. But it was you just you never went on. It was just something you didn't unless you had business on the base. You you really couldn't go there. Civilians yeah. had no. So weird but that people live there, right? Like yeah, absolutely. So I had friends that went there and it was like kind of when they closed, you know, some people stayed, but a lot, like, let's say like, let's say like 20% of our class was just gone. <laughs> like friends that you knew that you went through so you K went, through five with. You and went, you graduated Plattsburgh High School? Plattsburgh High School, yeah. What was your, how, how big of a graduating class is like Plattsburgh Gosh, High School? I have had? no idea. Maybe a hundred, if that. Really? Oh yeah. Damn. Maybe it's, maybe it's more. I, I have no idea. I'm just throwing a number no, out there. No, it's got to be more than that. It's got to be a few hundred. Cause I think no, I don't think so. Maybe now, but when I was, there wasn't, we didn't have a lot of kids. Yeah. Maybe know. it was, maybe it was more than a hundred. I don't know. I didn't pay a whole lot of attention in high school. <laughs> <laughs> Did you think you were going to be an accountant when you were growing up or what was that? What was that like? Um, well, so my grandfather was Plattsburgh's first CPA my dad's a CPA, um, so kind of was like, like something like, "Hey, this is what you're gonna do when you when you grow up. You know, you're gonna be an accountant." So it's kind of something. I, it was my first job at 13 years old. I uh, was uh, in charge of mowing the lawn, painting, and recycling. You know, big duties. But it was for for a 13 year old. I had a job. I think I was paid 
more than minimum wage, but back then it was like five bucks an hour. And that's like, awesome. $5 an hour. I'm like, this is great. You know? I think it's so good for young people to have jobs when they're little. Like I had, I I don't think I could drive yet. So I must've been, no, I was just learning to drive because I remember, um, shout out to Mountain View Deli, best deli in the world. In my, in my humble opinion, remember one day my dad let me take his Mustang to work because I didn't have a car yet. And I parked it like right, like in the prime parking spot in the business. I walk in there and the owner's like, why are you parked right there? That's for customers. I'm like, I don't know. I just want to show up my dad's Mustang. <laughs> and I had to, I had to move it because he, he told us in the beginning, like, don't park because it's like a shopping plaza type thing. So it's like, don't take up the front, like the front yeah. spots, like park, park. Those are for paying there. customers. <laughs> yeah. Learned a good lesson, man. Parking, parking is a valuable thing. And don't, don't show off your dad's car and act like you're cool. Yeah. I've, I've learned that lesson myself. <laughs> what car were you showing? What was the first thing you ever drove? First car I ever drove, my mom had like a, it's actually a stick. I learned on a stick. It was a 93 Ford Contour Sport. You can tell I'm a car guy because I remember exactly the model and year it was. Uh, Stick shift. It was a five speed. And I learned on that. So I was probably, you know, it's probably the statute of limitations are up. But I think I was 14 when I started driving. Because my sister was a f- 16, and she was learning, and she could not figure out how to get the standard car going. And I'm like, get out of the car. I'll do it. Watch. And, you know, hop in first time, and that was it. Really? Yeah. Did you? So like- and I, I used to, like, I feel bad. I shouldn't even say this. But I used to, like, con my mom into, like, letting me drive, when, like, home from places she picked me up at when I was, like, yeah. 14, 15. So. It was back in the day, man. The 90s, the 90s <laughs> were a wild time in America. <laughs> The base but, was closing. It was lawless. Yeah, it, letting, it was. Letting it was fourteen year olds rip it. Yeah, I know. My first car I drove was my mom's Chrysler minivan. Shout out to Gene Craig. <laughs> but I learned I learned to drive mostly on the Mustang, and like my dad was really awesome. But I think one of the worst experiences of my life was learning to drive stick shift, and it was in Letchworth Park, and like just rocking it so bad, and like not burning out the clutch, and then burning out because. What percentage of people do you think in the U.S. right now can drive? St- like, what percentage of cars do you think are stick now? Every car I've owned in the last 15 years has been a stick. <laughs> I've, well, besides, yeah. I wish, I guess some Tacomas come in stick, but I don't think. Like, yeah, you, you can get them stick. It's a super long shift, too. It's kind of it's kind of strange. I think, I don't know, riding, driving stick shift is probably a lost art. I bet you. It, it is, definitely. I mean, because it's, it, and, and it's not like, the, the weird thing is, is like, you think like, oh, a stick shift, you can drive faster. No, it's proven like they race, race cars, automatic versus a manual. You cannot shift faster than modern day technology does. You never they, beat a robot. No, exactly. It's a computer designed. I mean, maybe before when there was like different pressures for switching gears, I don't, not AS mechanic or anything but back when transmissions were different than they are now they're computer controlled you can they know what what rpm to shift at what's the most optimum so i they've proven it you cannot drive faster than an automatic car my toyota has like the fake stick shift like yeah you you never you use it once when you first got it you're like this is so cool i didn't even use it i'm just like the computer knows better it does let them take over it does i just like it i enjoy it i enjoyed if i so i already have my next like four cars lined up probably once now i got the tacoma that's gonna be mine forever and i'm gonna ride in the ground you'll get two hundred thousand miles out of it easy once the corolla isn't doing as good because it has like 120 on it if they ever make the subaru baja again i'll get that subaru baja and then when i own that was like the biggest fumble (laughs) subaru ever made i'd get the og one with the seat in the back the one seater seating backwards yeah i'm sure you can find them probably out west somewhere too in good condition 
There was one at uh, the place right on nine for like a few thousand, but I knew it probably had like. I think a they made that what one or two years, two years. I think it was just in the early two thousands. Yeah, it was. They canceled it because it never sold. But then once they <laughs> it came out, it was like a cult following. People love those things. And then my next car uh, after that, this is when I'm like older, probably probably late thirties, mid forties. I own a few rental properties. I'm gonna get a GMC. Just a regular, probably 2500 Sierra. And that, you know, that'll be put a plow on it, get some write offs. Mm -hmm. And then after that, then I want to get another sports car and get, I'd probably, I'd probably get a Subaru, honestly, for up here because I could still use it. Or Porsche, because Porsche supposedly drive amazing in the snow. Yeah. I mean, I just, the only thing bad about it is it's like, yeah, it's you can drive it in the snow, which I, I drive my Challenger in the snow, which is stupid, but I do, you know, and. The worst part about it is what the road conditions are going to do to it here. And it's it's not even just the winter. I mean, just driving a car in Plattsburgh in general will ruin your vehicle. Not a shout-out to City of Plattsburgh. Shout-out to the town, though. <laughs> no, I don't know. We love you. We love all you guys. You just got to take, take a little bit better care of the roads. But it's, it's but it's just... We beat the crap out of them. Like, is it the plows the pl that do it? Plows do a lot. And I think it's just old roads, you know. It's just stuff settles over time. If you look at... you ever stand out on Margaret Street... Look at how the road bows out, like towards the center, and then down to the to the uh, curbs. But don't it's like you a want that for water runoff. Probably, but it's like it seems like they've just been putting stuff more on top of each other year after year. I mean, how how old is is the roads? I don't know. We may never know. Right? They're not good. I know that. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I guess some spots that. But bro, I got a Tacoma, dude. I'm like an off road yeah. bro. Well, I don't. Everybody makes fun of me for the Tacoma. Dude, you got to get a real truck. Like, I don't know. They do everything you could need, and it's good on gas, and the, the, you'll get 200,000 miles out of how What else can you ask for in a vehicle? That's my number two. If Once once my Challenger's paid off, I'm, I want I want to get a Tacoma for sure. Get the yeah, same they're, exact they're, one as me. I probably will, yeah. Same I'll color. buy yours. <laughs> What's your dream car? Money's dream car? I don't really have a dream car. What's your, like, achievable dream car? Like, you're old. You're so, like, like, so I don't even know what they – I've been so far out of the car business now in years. But when I was in the car business and I could basically drive whatever car we had on the lot, and we had a lot of nice cars, my favorite car was the 745 Li. Just It was just what is that? BMW. Is BMW? Yeah, so probably now it's, like, a 760. I don't know what they call it now, but something like that. But 7 Series BMW. It's just the – absolute best car out there i mean it's just is BMW fast it's better, mercedes it's, or bmw personal preference i think i just like i mean because you go look like an s-class mercedes those are nice but i didn't between driving an s-class and a seven series they just the seven series is this incredible on the highway you can't hear anything driving in it it's fast it's got the looks i mean i want the mercedes g-wagon the mercedes that yeah yeah i, I had know. one of those at one of the dealers i worked at it was uh, it used to be Ricky Martin's. It was a G50. Wait, really? Yes, swear to God. So I lived and worked in Flo After Florida. It was in, in, in South to, uh... Florida. We I had the title. It said Ricky Martin on it. Uh, Ricardo, do, actually, do you not Ricky Martin, been a but different Ricky Martin. No, it was from South. It was 100 percent him. You don't think we Ricky had two? Martin. We so in in the car business, I've driven in and had two famous people. So one was that, and the other Did one. Did you get to see him or just his? No, we we, we got the car from an auction in South Florida. Dude, like Fort Lauderdale auction. different Ricky Martin, man. I no, it was 100%. G55 AMG Silver. Ricky, if you're listening, confirm that for me. The other one was we got um, Ken Griffey Jr. when he signed for the Reds, was it, he played for, I think? I'm the worst with sports yeah. knowledge. Uh, it was a red Mercedes SL500 
uh, with Lamborghini doors, full whatever they call it, body kit. Um, and it was pretty cool. The works. I'd probably get that, or I don't know. I just love Subarus. Like I would love to have another. Uh, I had an Impreza, but I would love now if I was rich to get like an STI or something like that. They just handled so good. They are nice. When we when we had those, I drove them. Like when they STIs first came out. Yeah, they're fun. It's just so good on gas. It's a, you see you sit a little low though. That's the only downside. But yeah, man, that must that must be pretty horrible. The Challenger in the winter. Oh, it is. It's it's, it's actually not that bad because it's like four thousand some odd pounds. So it's heavy enough, mm-hmm. but with rear wheel drive and it's just, you know, yeah, the, it is what it is. The Toyota. But has, I don't drive it far. I drive it maybe seven, seven yeah, miles a like, day. Yeah. And if it snows enough that it's, they don't plow the roads off, I just get a ride in. I'll pick you up in a Tacoma. <laughs> don't worry, bro. I'll, I'll do it. I'll even, I'll even deliver some eggs for you. Perfect. Yeah. I'm pumped though. It has 278 horsepower. I feel like that's not bad. That's good. Yeah. Torque and, is what matters. I think. Oh, damn it. I don't even know what the torque is. Yeah. For, for towing and things of that nature. But I think it's going to do everything you need it to do. And I got I got buddies with Cummins, bud, if yeah. I can't tow it. <laughs> Come on down to Keysville, bud. <laughs> we're moving we're moving Shirley. <laughs> oh, I saw you. Congratulations, speaking of Shirley. Thank you. I saw I was, you know, I was looking at there trying to pick out which one I wanted to eat. It was kind of like gut-wrenching. I was like, oh, look at how cute they are. But there's one. Lots of spots. Which, yep. one, which one's that one? Have you named them yet? No. Okay. Do you name them? I'll name them, like, something about them. Like, our first two picks were named Pork Chop, so Chop and Loin, because it's like, you know, name them something meat-wise, like a pork loin. Right. Then last year, like, one will be named Spotty if it had Like, you just refer to pigs. Like, one one lost its tail, so that one was Nubby. Like, stuff like that. Okay. Like, it's not like we don't pick out names. It's the same with, the, like, any of the animals. Well, all the goats get names. Because we only have a few You're of them. You're not going to eat but them? Like, yeah. Or no, I'm not. I'm not going to eat them. I'm just going to take their babies and turn their milk into cheese and sell their babies nice. on the open market. Is there a big market for goat milk? or? I, I, prob- I, I probably won't sell goat milk because you have to get like a lot of licenses. And I don't, I don't like messing around with the USDA because like I have to get a certified kitchen and stuff like that. And oh, then, like yeah. Asgard is right down the road, so I feel like they probably yeah, because they they really lock down like they lock down the goat milk, market. right? Yeah, like like there's a market for like illegal milk, no, right? You, like you unpasteurized get, you get milk, raw milk now. Oh, it's you not can illegal. buy. It? I thought it was illegal. I did too, but the in a uh, North Country Creamery in Keysville, you can uh, or it's at Clovermead Cafe. Technically, you can uh, just buy raw milk. I'll hmm. bring, you 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 drink a lot of milk? No, I don't. Oh. I'll bring you some raw milk, dude. It's fine. I heard it messes your stomach up. Like we can't handle it. Like, it's good for your stomach, bro. The probiotics. Are you into that hippie shit? Like do you, like you know, do you, do you trust? Uh, you trust? Uh, what should I call it? Eastern medicine. Yeah, Eastern medicine. Yeah, actually, yeah. Oh. No, I don't. I don't take any medicine for anything. I take no medication. I don't take. I try the the most I'll take is like an Advil if I have a headache for more than three or four hours. I'm the same way. I try to not take like whenever I get like if I'm really sick, obviously I'll take medicine. Like. When I got back surgery, I took medicine. But, like, if I'm just feeling a little under the weather, I try and not take anything no, until it's yeah, so bad. Your immune system... You're making your body weak. Exactly. Soft. Yep. No, I, I don't I don't ever... I hardly ever get sick, knock on wood. I just never... I just never... I mean... It's because you don't take medicine. It could be. I, I mean... Yeah, so I grew up... Yeah, my parents... Or parents. My mom was kind of, like, into the whole granola thing. She still is. She's, like, super into essential oils now. And, like... 
so yeah, she definitely we did you know co-op and all all that stuff and dude some of the essential oils are pretty powerful like sarah's got some peppermint oil for like wake up and i'm like yeah let's let's go baby (laughs) it's peppermint oil time yeah i don't know it could be it could be that it's uh why can't i think of the word when your brain thinks something is working placebo effect could be but the placebo effect is real yeah so if you think it works it works it's true your mind's very powerful most powerful tool we have mr mr edwards so, your 14 years, the base closes down. Where where are you at from there? What's your... 14? Wh- I was making my exit plan, exit strategy. Yeah. <laughs> You're making five an hour, living, living in big leagues. <laughs> living off the land. No, I mean, I, I just... Growing up in Plattsburgh, it is a small town, and I've always, like, just wanted to see the world and, you know, just get out there and see more of them what, what, than what's in this area. Um, not that this area doesn't have great, because I've obviously have come back many times, and I currently live here now and plan to stay here the rest of my life. Um, but so yeah, so when I was 17, I graduated high school at PHS and moved down to Central Florida. Um, lived down there. Well, I, I did. I did. So I was going to school for accounting, um, kind of like you know, okay, I'll do this. I'll do go to school for accounting, and uh, just needed a part time job when I was down there in. Actually, the first thing I started doing was what started my love for cars. Well, I loved cars as a kid, but more was I worked at a lube, lube exchange or whatever. Mobile, lube exchange? mobile lube express. That's what it was yeah. called. Sorry. And it was like, so oil changes. <coughs> yeah. I did that for, for a few years when I was uh, down there going to school and I liked it. It was fun. Honestly, like I, I, I enjoy working on cars. It's nice. Something, there's something awesome about working with your hands. Like I don't. I'm not good at working on cars. Like I, I change the oil in my quad and stuff like that, but nothing like serious. I'm sure I could if I had to, but now I'm, now I'm too scared. I don't know. Yeah. I should have learned on the Chevy. Broke more. <laughs> I'll let the pros. I'll let the pros handle the the Yoda. Yeah. But everything is pretty simple. Most of it is just getting the tools. Right. Like most. Of these... Or having access to be able to change certain things. Like if you have a lift, you can do anything. But jacking up your car to change brakes is just not fun. Like I finally upgraded to a floor jack and like. Because I still do my own breaks. And really? Yeah. That's the gangster yep. way to do it, man. I guess it's, it's just the way I am. You know, I was, I was raised. This, my dad's the same way. He'd like, if something that you can do, why pay somebody else for it? You know, that's just the way I was raised. How to long does kinda... it take you to change breaks? Um, depends on like if you're, if I I guess, yeah. all four breaks, rotors, pads, like less than four hours, probably three, three, three and a half. It's fun. You feel accomplished after you do something like that. Yeah, but then it's like it's tough to be like an accountant and come into work on Monday morning with like your hands greasy and <laughs> like dirt under your nails. They're like, what kind of accountant is this? A man's man accountant. <laughs> no, I mean, it's it's good. There's, I don't know, I've been lazy. I before. mow my own lawn. You know, I do all those things. I try well, to. All that costs a ton of money too. Like, yeah, I, I mean, I, it's not, not that I just like to do it to save money. I just, it does, I, I enjoy it, honestly. Like, so I also mow the lawn at my dad's office. Like you got a rider? You no, it's a put. It's actually like a run behind because the thing's as fast as you could believe. <laughs> it's like a, it's a new walk behind. We used to have this one. <laughs> we used to have this one from like the eighties, this nineteen eighties Honda. I swear the thing was older than me, and it just ran forever. Dude, and it finally died. And he bought the my dad bought the exact same newer version of the Honda, but it's like a walk behind. But it's like there's there's like full on throttle. That's it. Do you, do you think Hondas are the best in the small engine world? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. I got Kohler it. makes decent ones and Briggs and Stratton makes decent ones, but 
definitely Honda's the best. So I bought, so my house, I have a Husqvarna with a Honda engine. A Husqvarna lawnmower? Yeah. Damn, I see you, bro. With you a, save with... all that money that you would have paid someone to do it. Well, yeah. Invest in a Husky. Yeah, it's 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 a great lawnmower. And, right, like one season's worth of what you would have paid somebody. Probably... I, I enjoy doing it. I put me- headphones on, music. I feel you like know? yard work is relaxing. Yeah. Like you just get in the zone. Like I love It's a good workout, too. Mm-hmm. Keeps you keeps you jacked, man. You gotta. So you're in you're in Florida. You're working you're working at the Lube Exchange. Oh right. So yeah, let's get back to that story. So um yeah, no, I was working there. Um and there was like a job listing I think I found for car sales and I was like so I did I worked in the bottom where you change the oil and I also worked on top where you're selling the services. And that I just excelled at. Like, It's bad because I still remember these things because I just, when it comes to sales, I focus on these things. I averaged like a f- close to like a $50 ticket. Every person I talked to, our oil change was $19.99. So like I got good at like just the sales pitch and, you know, just doing that and following. Like we actually had like classes where they taught you how to sell and taught you the psychology of sales. Like, you know, these they were kind of dumb things, but they actually are like good, good points. Like one of them being... Like if, if you're uh, trying to sell the woman in, because they stay in the car while you're selling them in, while they're doing the services and uh, like they clutch their purse. It's like, they don't trust you. They're like hiding their money. Like these are psychological tells. Um, a lot of the other ones they learn, like if you can touch somebody without them pulling away, like touch them in the arm. If they don't pull away, that means they gain you. They have your trust. You touch people with greasy I, hands. I do it all the time. No, no. Cause you, I work topside. I didn't have to. Yeah. It was the clean guy. The dirty guy worked down below. Yeah. So when I was they the, stayed in the car during the oil change. Yeah, it was weird. This is in, in Central Florida. That's how they 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 run them. They pull in. It's a it's a pit down below, That's and it's just so like weird. you know two rails basically. And there's a hole underneath with a whole basement and like a catwalk basically. And you're under there and you change the oil. And all I did was pump the oil in. It's just like pumping gas. Fill up the washer fluid. Check the air pressure in the tire tires and stuff like that. It wasn't really. Let's let's divert to some some sales some sales tactics some so like another I think one life is sales like I'm oh 100 percent like, I, I I still use the the touch to to this day like people if you if you touch them on the arm when you're talking to them like not I'm not talking about being a creep and like grabbing them but tap them on the arm and if someone pulls away from you they don't trust you they don't they're not, they're not gonna they're, you're not gonna be able to sell somebody some something to someone who doesn't trust you oh man I did the whole Zig Ziglar too in car sales really? we haven't got to that yet oh yeah I got to. Uh... Grant Cardone. All I guess. Those I guess sales. like I would be. I wish I. I can't wait to get video in here, but I guess I would have to like get up across the mortgage thing and just like give him a little pat on the yeah, shoulder. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to do it awkward. You want to do it like just in passing conversation. Like so, it was different for me because like you're walking a lot with a client or the customer to sell them a vehicle, and just turn you know like in, in here and like and, and then you say something to them and in 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 that, if they're okay with you touching their arm like their side of their arm, you you got them. You're gonna sell them a car. They trust you. And that's the number one thing in sales. People work with who they know, like, and trust. Yep, 100%. That's all it comes down to. So most people, I feel like, who have a business degree, one of their first jobs is going to be in sales. It would be great for them. I think almost everybody. Like, a lot of the people I talk to who were, I mean, some of the ones who are smarter than me, they got a sweet job. but Or sales is honestly the best job. But like the hours marketing, are... marketing degrees, like, most of them go into sales. Like, what are some... What are some basics or some things that you think you should work on and that sort of thing? Basics that what uh, like salespeople just, just like let's let's do a little sales like, course. Just your sales pitch. Like I love to be sold. Like when I go into like say I'm like going to go in and buy a TV, I've already spent three or four hours 
I know exactly what I want to buy when I go in there. And I just want someone to sell me that or sell me. If, even if it's not that, say maybe I was wrong because I'm not an expert on mm-hmm. televisions, let's say. I want someone to sell me something like the sales pitch. Like sell me something. Tell me why I want to buy this. You know, it's just because it seems like you go into like big box stores and like, oh, yeah, here it is. Yeah, it's there it is. You know, <coughs> well, like no, there's no one that like, you know, that like, I used to like. So we, we so in part of the training we learned, we learned like some like basic stuff that you can say on any car. Like uh, they call them the ABC pillars, your front fender, basically your where your doors go on in between the front and the back in the in the back. And these are horrible terms. I just forgot them all. But A, B and C pillars are pillars that support your car. And we would like you. So you look at most everybody is concerned with these things when buying a car price, safety. I don't remember. There's five of them, but price, safety, um, economic comfort, comfort like all these Gas things. Mileage. And these are like things they teach you to like to tell them. And these are things that are standard on all on all cars. Like these pillars are meant to support one and a half times your weight. In the event of a rollover, the car wouldn't crush on you and you, you'd be alive. Stuff like that. You're Stuff like pillars, that. Baby. So then, then you talk about J hooks on a hood. The safety device. Is someone you, if you know someone's concerned about safety. What's a J hook? J hooks are the hood. The hooks on your hood. Those hooks are designed for for an front end impact. Your your hood will fold up like a teepee instead of getting shot straight through the windshield and cutting your head off. You'd so like that, to save your head, wouldn't you? That probably used to happen, right? Like when they first... Right. J-hooks were designed for that not to happen. It makes your hood fold like a teepee. But these are st- safety features that are on every single car. And if you were... I, w- I would pitch this to everyone. I'd find out what you liked. And then that was what I would pitch you on. Was something something that tickled your fancy. Like if I knew you were a, a ricer and you're coming in looking at this Honda Civic Si... And uh, that's all I would focus on. Yeah, you, you don't care engine. about the gas mileage. Mm-hmm. You don't care about these things, you know? No, I'm you find out about what this person is interested in and then sell them on that. That stinks. Every car I bought, I knew exactly what I wanted. Like the first car, I knew. Yeah, you would, you would be my ideal customer. You come in, you were, you were well, easy. Well, I'd be the easiest. Yeah, because I'm like, I want, I want that, that truck one. and I want it at this rate and this payment. Can you do it? Yes or no? Those yeah. were easy because I would be straight up. And it's like, you have to be straight up with people because, yeah, someone could be like, so a lot of places like in the, in the car industry would bring people in like with these like loss leaders that they don't have and they still do it to this day. Like, so when I was out in Phoenix, I bought a, uh, Nissan Altima and the price was advertised. And then when you get there and it had this package on it that you could not remove, that was like, it was called like the Southwest package. It was window tinting, VIN etching, uh, pre- etching? VIN etching. They etch your VIN number on your windows. It's like a safety feature. Oh, I thought you meant like they just etched it off. No. Oh, yeah, no, that would be bad. No, they etch your like the last six numbers of your VIN into the window. And it's like a safety device because someone wouldn't want to steal your car because they wouldn't be able to sell the parts because they're numbered. It's more of a, a sales gimmick, back-end product sales thing. Yeah. But, uh, I, oh, man. I know I have the easiest customer because I came in and I already knew which one I wanted and what year and stuff like that, but... I wish I should have just went in like not and just seen like I should have chest drove a Tundra. Well, I've driven a Tundra. I really don't love the Tundras. They were a little big for me, honestly. Like my dad had a Tundra for a little bit and it didn't didn't ride as great as I thought it would. It almost felt like a little sloppy to me. Really? Yeah. I don't know. That's the only way I could describe it. I also only drove it on like a dirt road. Yeah. So that's that was part that's of it. Sloppy right there. Yeah. <laughs> but I should have just went in there and got sold. So yeah. back back to let me rewind it because I'm, I'm I'm horrible rabbit hole tangent person. Dude, that's why that's why I tell you. This so <laughs> get ready, folks. 
back to uh, so I was working uh, doing that, and I decided to take a job selling cars. We kind of skipped ahead of that, so yeah, I took a part time job at this like so it was like so funny, like this place that's called JD Byrider. It's apparently still in business. It was his franchise out of Indiana, and it's like a buy here pay here, but it's like this whole like sales pitch you had to do like so it's like you have like this flip chart you have to like do to each client. Or each this client, I keep, it's hard to like change. It's customers when you're selling somebody. Client is like what I have today in the accounting uh, business. Yeah, I so I, I hate, I always screw that up. But it's I know what you mean. A so client is customer is you someone you're selling yet. something to. Yeah, a customer, it's a client, one is time you're thing. With. Exactly. I'm your client. Exactly. So you know, a, a customer, you know, a customer would just be somebody who just comes onto the lot. They're not sold yet. They're just a person who walks on the lot. And basically, so what was, what did you learn from that first job? Because I feel like the premise of this podcast is you can learn something from everyone you meet. The key is to listen. And so what sort of things did you learn? Because I feel like every single job you do makes you who you are today. Like I'm, I'm a decent cook because of like the stuff that I learned at my first daily job. So, I mean, so the job I was working at in JD by writer, um, we had this flip chart you had to go through with the client and it was like, I had, I had done sales before, but never like an organized thing. Um, whereas we had to do this chart and you had to do it with every person. It was like telling you about the program and how you're going to rebuild your credit. And it was like this making you feel good, like flip chart thing. And then at the end we're selling of these like old cars that are just high mileage beat up cars that were, I mean, they weren't that bad, but cars, you know, buy here, pay here, like $4,000, $5,000 cars. You know, and you're paying double the price. And I did that. And it was just a weird, weird intro to a job. But it was definitely a lot. You learn learn a lot. Yeah. Um, Had some pretty cool managers there and people that taught me a lot about the car business. Um, And just the thing about the car business, like you kind of, you're a car salesman. It's like, it's like a gun for hire almost, you want to say. Because I started getting, like, once I started getting pretty good at it, I getting offers from other dealers to go work there. So I worked in many dealers throughout Central Florida. Don't worry. Nobody nobody has a worse rep than mortgage salesman. You're good. Yeah. Oh, man. I, so I probably worked. Let's, <coughs> if I went back and counted, it probably won't reconcile with my, like, LinkedIn account. But <laughs> I probably worked at, like, eight or nine dealerships, maybe, I'd say. Well, it's good because you learn, like, I feel like everywhere you go, you oh, yeah, I worked different. I, and, and I worked from, like, one was, like, a gigantic auto mall where we had nine or 10 franchises under one lot. So like we had Mitsubishi, GMC, Suzuki, Acura, which had to have its own separate thing. Uh, Buick. Um, uh, I think I can't remember, but it had like, it had like nine different franchises under it. I worked there for a little while. I worked at a Ford dealer. So did you have to learn like all the different things for every franchise and like, yeah. So like when I worked at a Suzuki dealer for a while too, and you have to like get certified as a Suzuki salesperson, you take these like online classes. It's pretty easy. Um, but it, it allows you to like participate in incentives when you sell a new car. Mm-hmm. Cause they do like these things. It was so cool. Like spin cash. So you sell a brand new Suzuki and you get a spin. So you go online and the spin can be anywhere from $50 to like, I want to say like a thousand dollars. And you're like, you're sitting there, you're like, big money, big money, big money. Oh, 50 bucks. <laughs> Every time. But it would like auto load on a debit card for you. So that was pretty cool. That is awesome. What other, what other lessons and stuff did you learn from starting out in the car business? Like what was your, what do you think was the most valuable thing that you learned from there? Uh, just how to, how, to, how to handle rejection for sure. I mean, cause not everyone's going to buy it from you. 
And when you're on a, like a commission only job, it's like, yeah, you're, you, that's what you need to do. I mean, you don't sell cars, you don't get paid, you know? I mean, they have a draw, but I, I never work the draw. I always beat out the draw every week. Got but it. you have to, yeah. <laughs> People who take the draw do not end up uh, working out for the long term. It's tough out there, man. Yeah. But sales, sales is good. It teaches you urgency. It teaches you how to get stuff done and more just learning how to talk to people right and yeah absolutely like to go go back to that so that flip chart i had to do the first time i had to do it i was like so nervous i was like shaking like stuttering my words but like the more you the more you get the more experience you know the more people you talk to different people i mean because you'll have people i've had people just basically like mf me in this what are you doing you know don't you know people it's you got a lot of stereotypes and a lot of different people interact with it when you in our business for sure there's a lot of crazies out there yeah there is. <laughs> yeah you got to just learn how to talk to different people and sort of see what sort of see what they want build up their trust like i think the best the best sales training i had was texas roadhouse honestly because you had to learn sort of how the customer wanted to interact like you could tell some people some people want to talk and chat and some people it's just like straight just business to, yeah, yeah straight like I, business i don't want to talk to you just get me what i what i ordered yeah you got any good good sales horror stories oh gosh so many <laughs> and most of them that probably are not 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 craig, not craig Crest. we're probably pg-13 yeah these are rated r yeah um no i mean you see experience all sorts of stuff plus it was it was orlando it was a, it's a big car market so like we at the suzuki deal we we're right next door to toyota of orlando who sold 700 cars a month they're open i think like probably 18 hours no not twi- quite 24 7 but they're open till like 11 o'clock at night yeah it, hardcore 700 cars a month imagine that most none of the dealers in this area sell 700 cars in a year I mean, maybe they do. I, I, I shouldn't say that, but to my knowledge, none of the dealers sell 700 cars in a year here. 700 cars a month. It's insane. Wow. So like when I, I would typically sell anywhere from 15 to 25, sometimes 30, That's you know, in, in better a, a month. Yeah. I mean, you never, it's, it's not a car day, but average is out car day. Yeah. yeah. There's always, there's lows and there's highs. You just got to look at the, the long-term trends. Exactly. Yeah. I just got to keep that pipeline full. That's how I always thought of it. It's like. So it's like you sell a car and you think you sell a car because it's not always like the person leaves the lot. They're not always they're burning gas, but they're not. The deal's not done. The, the, you know, the, the dealership can call you back and be like, hey, listen, we didn't get you financed or, hey, we got you financed. But the terms have changed. You need to come sign a new contract. And sometimes those deals blow up. So it's like you got someone, you know, burning gas and you, you, you're thinking you're going to get that commission. And come Monday, it's it's not quite that quite quite that deal. So well, that, my whole theory was I, I would work Monday through thursday filling my pipeline i would just bring people in because and that's my number one thing and i and i I still use this today you cannot sell somebody something over the phone well i guess you can sell something over the phone but the answers are like for in the car business the answers were there in the dealership and i I say it now like with with people that call in from our accounting firm like you're going to get someone that's going to call you over the phone and they're going to you know want to get information sometimes they're trying to get free information all the answers are here in the building would you like to schedule appointment and come down you know an action item sometimes that that that's missing in sales and, and i i always so i do monday through thursday fill the pipeline for the weekend and i would just double triple book as much as i could get as many people i could get to come into the dealership because then if they came in asking for me and i was with somebody else i could pass them up hey matt you want to help my client here you get a half a deal yeah so you get a half a deal you, so I get half of your commission, you get half a commission, but you weren't selling anything. So 
Yeah. And I, I just grinded Monday through Thursday. I'd grind. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it was like game time. And like the dealerships we'd work at would do like cash spiffs and stuff like that. So it's like you do a hat trick, you get a $1,200 cash in your hand. So it's like, like those things were great. I live for those things. Come home with like a wad of cash at, on, on, on a Saturday or Sunday. That was my favorite part about Texas Roadhouse. Just leave every shift with a nice, nice oh, it feels, pack of cash. It feels great. I mean, the, the paycheck is great too and all, but cash in hand, walking away from a day selling three cars, you can't feel any better. You feel on top of the world. Uh, a, a, an OG in real estate. I remember uh, we lost a deal right at the finish line and counted on it. She said, the deal is not done until the check clears your bank. Like That's don't right. don't hatch your eggs before. Like don't say you got the job if if you didn't if you're not there on day one. Like it's not over till it's over. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a, it's an important thing to remember because it's like that with a lot of things. Like stuff can always change, and it's good to hope. It's good to wish. It's good to go for it. But it's not done till it's done. Do you have like a, a failure or an apparent failure that set you up for a later success or like a sort of a favorite failure that taught you a good lesson? I mean, I think I, I love all failures. I mean, it sounds kind of weird to say that, like I love to fail, but like the only way I learn is through failure. You could sit there and tell me something until you're blue in the face and I may not listen to you. I may listen to you, but I 100% learn from my mistakes. Um, so like my greatest failure, I don't know. I mean, I think they're all pretty great, but so my first real failure was probably so I started a it was a couple years in the car business there working there um, and I moved on from sales to finance it's kind of like the general progression you're a salesperson maybe you go the sales manager route and be, become a sales manager or a desk manager or you go the finance route and I, I went the finance route and worked in back end um, and did that and just got really good at it and really good with you know, like building relationships with banks because that was like a huge thing you know I'm my job was not only to try to sell you back end products but also to get your deal bought by the bank and get it bought at the terms in which I thought you would get approved or felt. Because sometimes, like, you will, you know, it's real busy on the weekend. I mean, I don't know how they do it around here, but it'd be real busy on the weekend. We would just spot people in cars and throw them out there on, on, a, on a contract that we thought we could get them approved on. And a lot of times we did, and sometimes you don't. But uh, a lot of the good negotiation skills and people-building skills was just learned to dealing with some of the, the banks that were financing these cars for us. So what was your first business? So... Yeah, so working that for a long time and, and, and learning that, I decided, and, and you just notice, you know, working in independent car dealers, just the lack of finance and knowledge regarding finance of automobiles and, and how to get a new car dealer set up with dealers. I started a company called Auto Finance Consultants, Inc. This was in Florida, um, and it was a corporation I started, and I was going to go and, well, it was a great idea. I had one client, I think. <laughs> And go and consult with dealers and help them get started with uh, signing up with banks, get them started with, you know, basically starting up a dealership just because I had dealt with a lot of that um, and did that as like a part time thing and just didn't work out. I closed the corporation, had one client maybe, and just it wasn't for me. I went back to work working, a you know, just a regular, regular sales job. So did you know, I guess you sort of. Did you have any background in accounting at the time? Like, were you, besides just no, also, growing up around it, sort of? Well, growing up around it, um, I took probably two semesters of accounting at Seminole State College in Florida. Um, so I took, like, accounting one, accounting two, you know, but it wasn't really, like, a, I don't know if I learned anything from that, but I've always been pretty good with numbers um, and just good at learning, you know, through experience. 
I think that's the most important way to do it because you can you can watch YouTube videos, you can do you can follow it to a T, but you're never really gonna know until you try it. Like the farm has been a big experiment for us. We never I never had chickens, I never had pigs, I never had ducks, I never had any of that, but luckily we do have Google. What So how old were you when like the internet exploded and Google came out and stuff like that? No, what year was it? I don't know. I feel like I almost I feel like two years behind me is a totally different generation than me. Because I I didn't have like a smartphone when I was really young and stuff like that, and now like I see little kids who. Like, so I think I got my first cell phone when I was eighteen. It was the like the Nokia with snake on it, mm-hmm. you know, and that was it. Like we didn't. Like my, I think my dad had a brick. Well, I don't think I know he did. He had the brick cell phone with the antenna you put on the roof, and it cost like seventy five cents a call. <laughs> but you're like you could call people from in your car, which was like the coolest thing. That would be cool back in the day. It's crazy that our parents have probably seen the coolest technology change. I would almost bet in history when you think about. Oh, I bet from what they've seen to what what's available yeah, today. Yeah, because they yeah. Grew, when they were little, it was sort of like the, or I guess maybe our grandparents if they can grasp the concepts because they actually grew like when they were younger. Like yeah, Nana has a Facebook. Like, yeah, she, she's. I don't she, know how old Nana is. She's she, got to be at least yeah, close she, to eighty. Nana's slipping in the DMs. Yeah. <laughs> Nana does slip in the DMs. She hits me up. She comments on my pictures, but she got to see back way back in the day. Yeah. To fo- like my dad always said, the craziest thing to him was like he grew up with records or eight tracks and stuff like that. And then every song you ever wanted on earth was right in your pocket. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So where where did you go from there? So you started a few different finance companies. Oh, uh, so I did and- that, you know, for a little while and. Went back and I mean I, I did a couple odds and end jobs in between, but it, I stayed within the car business. I worked at a actually I went and worked at a motorcycle dealer for a little while. Thought I would like that because I'm super into motorcycles too. Um, but it was kind of like right around this time, like when the the financial crisis, mortgage run on Washington Mutual, all that stuff. So it was it was it was really tough, you know, working in in sales and in in car industry at that time because we used to be able to get people approved like 100 percent. If you were over 500 Beacon score, but I mean, not on good terms, but you get someone approved for a car loan, you know, easy. And it was like, at that time, it just got so hard to get someone approved. Um, and people just weren't buying cars, you know, during that time. Um, and that was when I got offered from my dad to move back here, go to school, Plattsburgh State, and uh, get a degree in accounting and work in the family business. Nice. Was it tough going to school, like, as somebody older? Um... Yeah, kind of. I mean, I I was there about my business for sure. That was all I came there to do. Um, it was kind of weird because like I'd show up in like a shirt and tie, and like people thought like I was the professor or something because I was already like ten years older than them. <laughs> but I'm like, no, I'm just here. And then people would be like, oh, you're real serious about this school. I'm like, not really, man. I was like, it's just I come from work and I don't have time to go home and change. I like, yeah. I I, I was obviously it was, it was great. I was allowed to you know take classes during the day because especially once you get further along in your major, like they'd only offer a class at a certain time. Mm-hmm. So I'd be able to, you know, go to class, go back to work, go back to class on certain days, you know. And It's probably nice too because to, I feel like I probably could have absorbed more knowledge in college. Oh, yeah. No, I, I definitely learned a lot more as an adult going to college than the first time I went um, or the second time I went for criminal justice. But, yeah, 100%. Yeah, just I was able to learn more. Plus, I knew a lot of stuff, and I was able to put like technical terminology behind th- practices and theories I already knew. 
they're like, oh, that's why they do. Oh, that's the name of that, you know, or, or certain things like that. But I definitely got a lot more out of college, and I felt it was a lot easier just ha- having the experiential knowledge for sure. What sort of like finance or money advice would you give to somebody, whether they're just graduating high school, just graduating college, just sort of entering the real world? <laughs> Tough question. So um, I would definitely say, you know, keep an eye on your credit. It's something you, you don't really learn. Like uh, learn how to balance your checkbook. Make sure that all your money that you're earning and keeping that you have is, 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 is in fact, you know, there's people aren't making mistakes or but just make, reconcile your checkbook. Know how much money you have, how much real money you have, not what the bank says you have available. Um, personal finance. Um, and just understanding, like, credit terms in general. Like, it was, like, flabbergasted to me, like, how little people understood. It's, like, you take, like, car math, and it's, like, it's like becomes the most complicating thing ever. Like, people will be like, oh, I want that $50,000 BMW. I want a $300 a month car payment. I'm like, yeah, you're going to take out a 30-year mortgage for that? Or what are, you, what are you looking for, you know? Like, it's just, like, they just get this idea in their head, and, and, and math becomes this thing where it doesn't make sense anymore. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people don't do math on the long term. It's short of short term and this is what I want now and I think it's absolutely I think it's a big part of the culture I mean everything that you want can be Amazon one day two days like everything's so quick now where you don't you don't necessarily take the the full um full terms and everything in and some investments are good investments some investments are bad investments like when I see like I don't think you should invest I don't think you should buy like toys on credit and stuff like that like i feel like it's better to live within your means that's a that's a that's a huge i mean i've smashed my head against the wall many times with that lesson and learned and failed and you know living with your means is hard especially when you start seeing like i remember the first time i got a washout check in the car business and i got like a three thousand dollar check and it was like i was 21 maybe 20 i don't know how old it was to me that was the most money i've ever made in one time and it was just like i'm rich i'm like this is gonna last forever you could have just put it all in Apple stock. You and, oh, yeah. Yeah. Right now. Hell, yeah. I'd be retired right now if I would have done that. What do you think the smartest way to invest is? Like, I've been thinking about opening up a Vanguard account and just sort of, like, set it in, forget it yeah, type I mean, things. those are good. Um, I, I Individually managed brokerage accounts and stuff like that, those are fine. But, like, at $8 a transaction, you can't really, like, you have to, like you said, set it and forget it. Like, buy a stock and that's what you're in. But if you're investing $100 a week in – you know, seven percent, eight percent is going to fees. That that's it's hard to recoup eight percent. You know, on investment. There's two that specifically like I've used. Um, one being Webull, W E B U L L, and the other one being Robinhood. They're hundred percent free trading platforms. Um, there's no fees to buy or sell. Um, and you can I think you also when you sign up or refer somebody you get like a, a free stock. They give you a free stock valued anywhere from five to a thousand dollars. So, I mean, what better is that? You open an account that's free, they give you a free stock, and the trades are free. So, I mean, those ones I, I, I would suggest for sure. Yeah. And I feel like the long term, too. Like, I, I, I try and set it and forget it with my 401k. That's the, I, I do the whatever, the yes. target retirement date. That's the one I do for my simple yeah. IRA. Yeah, I feel like the younger you are, the longer. Like, the, the eighth one of the world is compounding interest. And if it works against you, it's bad. If it works for you, it's amazing. Yeah, 100%. Like, I think, like, they look like from, I think it's from IPO to, this was, like, when I was in college, when I was taking finance, but, uh, so, IPO to, like, say, five years ago, six years ago, of Apple stock, it was a 6,500% return. 
So for every dollar you invested, you had $6,500 in today dollars or at that time. $65? 6500 Wow. Is that what I said? I think that uh, would be 665,000% then, right? No. For every $1, it would be worth $6,500. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Could have been sitting pretty then, man. Hell yeah. Oh, man. If only we knew. What do you think about, like, tech stocks? Like, what do you think about all the money that Snapchat and Facebook and all that stuff is worth? It's weird because it's like, like, how do they value it? That's why I always think it's strange. Like, some it's valued on, like, okay, like an advertising ma- matrix or whatever. Uh, it's valued on based upon subscribers or users. But how are these companies monetizing the, the subscribers and users? I, I don't know. But um, Some of them have never, like, turned a profit. It's so weird. To yeah, like how does a company that's never turned a profit worth something? Just Intrinsics, you know, you know I feel intrinsic like some value. companies are worth it. Like their data capture, like Facebook makes all their money on data capture and just selling you stuff, same as Google, basically. Right. But I feel like they're such cornerstones. They're worth stuff. But stuff like Snapchat or companies like that where I feel like there's no concrete They get their value. value from what their value is in competition to these big already established, you know. Who 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 did Facebook buy recently? Was it Instagram? Instagram? Yeah. yeah. Like why did they buy Instagram? Cuz they they feared it. They feared it would take over their model and everyone would sh- like like everyone went from MySpace to Facebook, <laughs> you know? Like Yeah, it's I don't know, some of the just the tech stocks sometimes it just doesn't doesn't make sense to me and i feel like that almost might be the next bubble because there's so much so much money in silicon valley and just i don't know i don't some some obviously have a ton of value whether it's patents or intellectual property and stuff like that but i don't know it's uh it's scary to think that they're such a big part of the economy and they represent billions but sometimes they don't sometimes they turn a great profit sometimes they make a ton of money but i don't know it's uh it's interesting because I, I understand the stock market a little, but I'm not like an expert on it or anything like that. No, so just to see see how all those get values. So what's a what's unusual habit or obsession you explore on the weekends that people might not know about you? <laughs> um, I don't know about weekends, but maybe... So recently we've kind of got into my wife and I. Um, so we, had, we started, um, bought a... English chocolate lab, um, been a great dog. He's three or four years old now. Then we bought a Labradoodle and the dog's great. And now we've got a third dog, which is a golden doodle. And, uh, and just going through and buying, like in this progression of looking at dogs, we've kind of like looked a lot at it. And I think next summer we are going to, I don't know what the common right term is, breed our, yeah, breed our golden doodle girl, um, and have puppies and start this like whole new puppy farm it's fun man i mean it's it's sort of amazing to see the the like part of the male and part of the female and the animals like i can see some pigs are more like the mom some pigs are it's really cool in chickens because they really express their colors in different ways and you get sometimes like recessive like we finally got a recessive trait of uh furry legs on chickens where they just have a little fur on them because we want that those are very winter hardy but it's uh it's hard to get that gene into the chickens weird yeah so we we, the the two labradoodle and golden doodle we have share the same father um so we got them from the same breeder out in lowville new york and uh yeah it's weird because you see the two of them and then they have 
traits and characteristics like each other. They have the same father. Um, they don't really look a whole lot alike because one is a F1 Labradoodle, which is a cross between a standard poodle and a Labrador Retriever. And the other one is a F1BB Golden Doodle, which is a cross between a Golden Doodle and a Poodle. So it's more Poodle. It has more of the Poodle characteristics. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are some of like the sought-after characteristics. So like for uh, you, you breed back into a poodle. You don't breed back into the other gene, like the Labrador or Golden Retriever, because um, you want like the characteristics. Like they're they don't shed much. Um, they're not. There's no dog that's hypoallergenic, but they're better on people that have allergies to dogs. Um, they don't have a lot. Of, create a lot of dander, like our chocolate lab does. Um, so those are the kind of things that they breed out, and, and those are. I mean, in some of these dogs, I mean, it's crazy. Like you can get twenty five hundred dollars for a Labradoodle puppy, Golden Doodle puppy, or something like that. Yeah. Multi-generational. And, it, and it's good, too, because that's, like, what people want. The customer's always right, so if that has the traits that they want. Yeah, and it's weird because they're not AKC-registered dogs. Labradoodle or Golden Doodle are not red, recognized breeds. They're basically a mutt, but they – I've heard the term as they call them, um, but it's, like, uh, designer dogs. That's yeah. what they call them, designer dogs. Yeah, strange. Like, you hear all those, like, chapoodle, like a chihuahua and a poodle, and, yeah, so – those are, but they just, I think the certain coats and the breeding and the multi-generational ones, um, and you get like certain colors, like we've been looking at potential suitors, which is weird. It's like, so you're going to get your dog artificially inseminated, which is kind of strange too. So you're like looking at the male, you're like, what do we want to, you know, like. We looked at it online for pigs to get, like, they, it's literally just pictures. Dating, of like yeah, like farmersonly.com. <laughs> we'll make a Tinder, we'll make a Tinder for dogs. <laughs> right, Exactly. So what are what are some like bad recommendations you hear in your area in your area of expertise or stuff that people can avoid? Oh gosh, yeah. Like I always get like the so like oh like my friend told me that you can deduct this like like or like it's a write off you know like it's a lot of stuff like my friend told me or like Lowe's told me this is a qualified improvement subject to like you get a lot of that, like unqualified opinions. Like in someone, you're having to argue with a client about the fact that their energy efficient property is or is not, does not meet the federal requirements to be you know, included in a credit. Um, um, but I don't think you have a lot of professionals spreading misinformation. It's a lot of unprofessionals. Like, well, my uncle has a rental and he has, the, he uses the, for these losses or, you know, whatever it may be, it may not be the same scenario for you. Like it, it, it's not like, not every everybody's tax situation is going to be the same, and you can't take one statement and cast it over everybody, and, and that be like so you have you know whatever scenario you know. Yeah, I see that all the time with when you see mortgage advertising online, like oh three percent rate today, but that's not they don't show you that's an eight fifty credit score paying twenty points. Yeah, exactly. All that different stuff. To just so you're paying. Of, you're buying that rate. You're not. Yeah. It's not. You're not getting that rate. You're buying that rate from the bank. Yeah, and I'm sure I'm sure in accounting there's a lot of a lot of stuff that that's why that's why I started using like a, a professional account. It just made life easier because that's not I have a basic knowledge of it. Like if you just have a regular W two job, it's relatively simple. But the more the Absolutely. more complex your financial situation, I, I'm a hundred percent agreement with hiring people who know more than you about a certain thing and let them do what they know best, and you stick to what you know best. Like there's accountants, probably not in this area, but there's accountants that go and get real estate licenses. There's accountants that go in, I mean, in this area they are, but go and get financial services or whatever, registered rep licenses and sell securities. I have no desire to do any of that stuff. I mean, I do accounting, bookkeeping, tax, 
audit all, all, all that and do it well. Don't don't focus on something that somebody else's industry, you know, find a nice close group of people like I can refer people to you for mortgages. You can refer people to me for clients. Like if you can find that networking group um, or like groups like ADKYP or, you know, groups of similar minded in- interest people, you know, you can definitely do well in that. Yeah, I feel like it's always better to go to an expert on stuff because there's there's a lot of stuff that you wouldn't know unless you yeah, do a lot of research. Exactly. How, how have the new tax laws affected people? Oh, gosh, widely. I mean, overall, from what I saw, everyone, not everyone, most people paid less tax. Did they or did they not get a bigger or less refund? That's really relative on the facts. I mean, a refund should not be determined in how well you did in the year. That just means you paid this much more in tax or had these credits that you didn't tax plan for. And getting a getting a big refund, it should not be a positive. I mean, it is a positive thing, but it doesn't doesn't say that the person did or didn't do a good job. The liability is what, what you look at. So when you look at the, the, the liabilities, it has gone down. Uh, I've looked at just recently in the last week, looked at some of the um, – statistical information that got released from the IRS. Um, and like, as you expected, refunds were down. Not a lot. Like, if you look at these things, like, I mean, we're also talking in, in hundreds of millions and yeah, of dollars. Yeah, but it didn't go down a lot, like, from what actual refunds were. Um, and you look at the statistics, it was pretty close on. But, yeah, people did save on tax. There was the uh, QBI, Qualified Business Income, QBID, Qualified Business Income Deduction, which is a 20% deduction from pass-through income or Schedule C income. or So well, that one definitely helped a lot because your net income from those types of uh, income is, only, is uh, reduced by 20%. You have a 20% deduction. So that that's beneficial. So that helped a lot of people that – didn't normally have self-employed people, uh, small businesses, because it was really geared, and there's a lot of uh, qualifiers and disqualifiers for it, but it was really geared to help the small business in America. Um, so th- I thought that was a great. Um, uh, the child tax credit went up, doubled. That was good for anybody that has kids. <clears throat> or planning to have kids. Yeah. You can have a kid on December 31st and still get the $2,000 tax credit. It's good to know. <laughs> One day, one day, <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's um, I don't know. It's important. It's important to know that stuff, and it's important to to use it. Right. Use it to the best. Yeah. You, you're texting me all the time, asking me these rando questions. I ask you so many. I know. And I'm like, put on. I'm having to do tax research. Well, I'm like, oh shoot, I don't want to tell them the wrong answer. Let me look up and make sure what I'm telling them is right. Well, I feel like it's good for somebody to like if you if you have a passion and something that you get paid for, like start start a business on it, even if you don't expect to make a ton of money on it. It's just. I feel like having a business mindset of stuff and being in the habit of checking your checking your balances and take, taking care of your receipts, stuff like that. It's just a good a good Absolutely. way to think. Yeah, really. And one of the things I've learned is just really get yourself out there, and especially in this community, it's so easy like to just like sit back and fall into your comfort zone and sit back and watch whatever TV shows or do whatever you want to do, hang out with your friends. Um, but there's like events all over the North country that happen, you know, weekly, sometimes every other week, um, where you can get involved and just put yourself out there and, and, and meet new people and expand your circle and your business will increase. It's just the more people, you know, like you said, people refer to who they, what was it? No, no, like, and trust. like, and trust. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like a big thing, like even at Rotary, I try and sit at a different table almost you got every week yeah. because when I first joined, I just sat next to you and Ryan and. Now I'm stuck in the back. It's yeah. horrible. I need I need to get out of that routine because 
I really miss out a lot. Like I have to stay there for like certain duties, but I I need to get back to the tables for sure. I'll start saving you. See, don't worry. I know I need to. I feel like more young people should get involved with stuff like that. Because Absolutely, and I I wish I did when I was like younger. Like, man, you're you're, you're you're ten. Yeah, young Matt is ten years ahead of I was. I I didn't do any type of like networking or anything like that. I mean, it was all like word of mouth referral. But I mean, in that and that's great too. But just getting yourself out there, top of mind recognition is so important, especially in a small town. Yeah, and just meeting meeting more people because you never know what business they have or what they could get into and what they could help you out with. Right. Yeah, it's been it's been awesome. Like one of my one of my favorite part about Rotary is getting like getting to know older people who are more experienced and sort of just learning from them. Like I'll Absolutely. I'll text older members of Rotary and just ask about cars or ask about this or that, and it's it's important to. Because there's no way. It's to important for both sides. Because you're, in one side, you're you're gaining someone else's knowledge, and in the other side, you're imparting your knowledge into someone else. Like I love going and talking to Stan Ransom. I mean, like he's a cool dude. Like he's like the happiest guy. Like if I could be I as happy as his, he is, his secret to life. Oh my gosh! I'm gonna have. I'll have Stan on the podcast next. You week. need to. I'll he's incredible. Start an early episode. He is so. I've never seen him say. He truly embodies all everything of Rotary. You never see him say anything bad about anybody. He's always positive. Smiles. You know, and he 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 makes a point to like if he even if he doesn't know you, he'll read your name off your badge and and greet you by your name. I think that's just some of the some of the touches that we we lose in, in you know as millennials or whatever the next one after that is. What is was it Gen X or Gen, Gen Y? Gen Y, I don't know. It's tough out there. Yeah, they're gonna be virtual reality is gonna come, all that crazy stuff. <laughs> It'll be, be like you just yeah right like that next player one or Ready Player One movie. You watch uh, Black Mirror. Yeah, yeah. The well, no, no. I watched the one where it was like Choose Your Own Adventure, Black Mirror Bandersnatch. Or... Oh, you gotta watch the original one. Oh, I have to see it then. Huh? It's a it's an awesome show. That's. It's like re- it's like alternate alternate realities. Yeah, or like, it's almost like yeah. said today, like it's like normal stuff, but it's just. Did you do the other one, the Black Mirror Bandersnatch one? Or it was my, on Netflix. My internet was slow when I tried to do yeah, it. Yeah, it, it didn't work with so it was, it was annoying, and it, I don't have a uh, my remote for the Roku was really annoying. Where I have to, yeah, I literally have to point it the other way for it to work, and it's the craziest thing ever. I don't know if it's the TV or what, but I pointed at it, it doesn't work. I have to like point it to like forty five degrees of it. So, um, Roku executives, if you're listening, if you guys could, uh, <laughs> if you guys could help me out with that, that would be great. Do you have the Roku app? Don't even tell me there's a Roku. Oh app. yeah, dude. There's a... <laughs> dude, I'm so Amish. Right here, look. <laughs> He's so Amish. I just have the, the Roku app. The remote is right here. Well, I'm not next to one, but yeah, Roku app. Oh my. You God. have the remote, and you can go through all the channels and everything. I'll just piss. Because we, I, I did that. Like, so I, so I, I'm like famous for doing this, and it's so bad. I'll. <laughs> once a month or once every few months when I get tired of paying a lot of money in either my cell phone, cable, internet bill, I'll call and threaten to cancel my bill and like come up with some, you know, I'm going to cancel it. You guys need to give me a discount. You know, Worse. it's horrible, you know? Yeah, whatever. But I do it. Is it though? Is it it doesn't, it doesn't work anymore. Um, but in the latest attempt, I tried to reduce my charter bill and the guy like called my bluff. He's like, yeah, just cancel. Go ahead. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa hold on. And I'm like, I need some tips. I'm like, I don't want to be spending you know, $300 a month for cable. That's stupid. I don't think I paid that much, but cable internet, say it's 200 something dollars. So he went through, he, the actually guy on charter, he probably would have gotten in trouble if they found out. He told me to go buy. So we had like a, you know, whatever Xbox one, which has the charter app in it. Uh, I had a Samsung smart TV, which has the charter app in it. And then I went and bought two, two Roku's and they have the charter app in Roku. 
so I was able to get rid of all my boxes and all the rooms and I saved like a hundred dollars a month in rental of those stupid boxes that you have in every room. And I just put a Roku that I bought on black Friday for $35. It's stuff like that. Like, especially with the internet now, the more like yesterday I was in, where was I? I don't even remember. Oh, Harbor Freight. And I get, I get sent the emails, but still I just Googled Harbor Freight coupons and just saved. I do it too. My wife gets so embarrassed. Because I'll be like, I always ask, like, will you, you guys match competitors' prices? I just did uh, this weekend. I bought my uh, charger on my my MacBook Pro that I had since 2007. No, 2007. 2011. Finally, the charger finally died on it. Like, eight years, you know? And I went and bought a new one, and I was in Target. And I'm like, do you guys match prices? And he's like, yeah. And I ended up saving, like, 20 bucks just by saying, asking the question, do you guys match prices? There's all stuff like that, and it's not like it doesn't, it doesn't hurt the retail. Like they don't care. It's built into the profits. They know they're still making money when it's like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, every most things are negotiable. There's different ways to do. I know everything. it's horrible. No, it's good because you got anything. If, if I find something that's a price negotiable, I'm negotiating it. <laughs> what are some What are some other good tips? What are some What are some Tell Tell us because he who talks first loses. And this is my number one thing I learned in in, in negotiation. When you're selling something or closing somebody on something, when you turn the paper around and tell them the payment's going to be $300 a month for 60 months, please sign here. You shut up. You don't say anything. They don't say anything. The first person who talks loses 100% of the time. Write that down. Yeah. I I think I got it. I would say, I've sat there with people across the deck just staring at each other, waiting for someone to feel more uncomfortable, and I would never say anything. I'd just sit there. Yeah. I wouldn't say anything to you because you're going to ask me a question and it's going to open me up to be able to solve whatever's – but if I talk, it's just going to be – you're not going to hear anything. You're not going to want – because you're already thinking about what's what's my hurdle to this. I can't afford that $300 payment. But I don't want to tell them I can't afford that $300 payment. So you just sit there. He who talks first loses always. Like, yeah, I got more than half off of my extended warranty. I think I paid like 30% of what, what the original sticker cost was and I got almost half off my undercoating. You got to, because I'm, I'm going to be quite honest with you. Uh, so most things like, so if I sold you a warranty that cost me a thousand dollars. I sold it to you for $2,000. Yeah. That's the standard write-up. So if you are able to negotiate some of that down, you're doing better than everybody else. I mean, there is a markup in everything, which I think is the weirdest thing. Cause it's like, is it warranty insurance? Insurance is in regulate is regulated by the state. Like the fact that we could, change prices of, of i mean warranty isn't insurance but you know there's there's negotiation like insurance has to be standardized price it's a you know regulated item well i feel like insurance still you can still negotiate insurance you can't negotiate rates you can negotiate coverage levels i believe their rate is their rate that's built on actuarial whatever science stuff. behind it yeah back end knowledge like yeah, that exactly yeah well it's important too to but that the fact that you were able to negotiate that down that's good because i typically didn't I didn't reduce the cost of stuff. Every dollar counts, man. I'm cheap. Yeah. my own coffee. I, yep, 100%. The, I found the place next to me I, for a while. I was hooked on Starbucks cold brew, and, like, the Champies right down the road on Boynton Avenue has comparable, definitely not better, but comparable cold brew to Starbucks, and it's What do you pay for coffee when you go out and get it? Dollar seventy-five. Dollar seventy-five. That's a for, good deal. For a cold so, brew. So, like, do you think, do you have the idea in your head that Starbucks is expensive? Yeah. Yeah, like, so I, I drink my Starbucks every day. And I, I like craft the way I spend it, but my coffee every day is two dollars and fifty cents, and I get a venti twenty ounce coffee every day, five days a week. 
it's two dollars and fifty. So I, I I pay through Cash App, which which is the weirdest thing when you load up these boosts on Cash App, you get a dollar off of any coffee in any coffee shop anywhere in the United States. It's not like the coffee shop has to honor it. Uh, Square or Cash App will recognize that you're in a coffee shop and give you the discount. They give you the discount. It's not the the vendor. It's a the credit card authorization company gives you the, the discount. Yeah, I just got the Cash App through you. I know. $5. Maybe the Cash App will become a sponsor. They should. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> But the cards are nice. I got. Did you get your I, money card or whatever? Yeah, black, it's like a black. It looks like yeah, an American like a, Express black card. You know what they're doing? Yeah, I, I got like five dollars in my cash app, and I'm acting like it's an Amex black card. <laughs> what does this card mean to you? Yeah, yo, can I get some duck eggs, man? <laughs> <laughs> Big spender this week. Yeah, have you googled like the thing for those cards? Like people write like the funniest things in their little signature because you have to do a signature mm-hmm. or whatever. People like made funny things. Oh them. man, I just I just did my regular one. Just did my OG signature. So you got to fight with your communications company. You got to fight with a cell phone company. Where are some other Where are some other places our listeners can fight and save some money every month? That's about it. Can't fight with your mortgage guy. No, that's that's you can refi. Too. And, and you can could see uh, Matt Craig at Bank of England's Mortgage. Bank of England's Mortgage. PlattsburghMortgage.com. No, we'll help you out. We'll get it done for you. So what do you think? What do you think? Um, I don't know. What's your What's your outlook for the future? Where do you think Where do you think people should invest? What do you think the best best places that people should put their money is? I mean, I'm no financial advisor, but there's like some, especially in this area. I think I, I really like real estate in this area. Um, the rental market is red hot because we have the college here. Um, if you can stomach the dealing with tenants and stomach the dealing with people, I think it's a great investment. Um, I really like blue chip stocks. I mean. America is going to, you know, Americana. Like, You're just betting on America, basically. Exactly. Blue chips. Yep. Yeah, I think, I don't know, real estate is such, I used to, I got to get back into doing that. I'm actually going to take a note, get back so, in the real estate. Yeah, you should, absolutely. So my uh, first house I owned was out in Phoenix, and we, we did great on it. I, I don't remember exact numbers, but I owned it for three years, just about, a little bit less than that, and we sold in made a good profit enough to pay the commission and put money in our bank account. I mean, that was just in our own personal home. Like forget about buying investment property or rental properties. Like property value does increase. It's not going to, you're not going to get a 20% bump. I mean, you may, but you're not going to get a 20% bump. You're going to get a steady 3%, 2%, I don't know, 4% raise, but it's, Average rate of appreciation is 6% now across the U.S. You would know those numbers exactly. Oh, I love those numbers because either way, you're going to have to pay to live somewhere. If you're living in mom's basement and you have a good job, save up your money and buy. Like if you don't have expenses on it now, keep it as low as possible. But if you do have expenses, if you're paying rent, it doesn't, I don't know, there's a reason you're paying drive you're, nice cars. Well, exactly. You're, you're making somebody, you're paying somebody else's mortgage, not your own. I mean, and those comes back to those things like, uh, personal finance, credit utilization, credit management, using your credit wisely. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you've managed to get a good credit score, banks are going to lend you money and you're going to be able to have those opportunities. But if you've, you know, charged off your JCPenney's credit card, you're not getting far. Oh, yeah. And medical collections, man. Make sure you pay those medical bills. They'll come back to bite you. Oh, yeah, they do. They knock yeah. your score off. I got one, too, because it was just like a billing problem, but I paid it. Right. That happened. And that, that's ridiculous how, how that can get on your credit, like – and it was because I had an issue with that where it didn't actually go to my credit bureau, but I got a collections notice 
off being double charged for a uh, copay. Like I paid the copay at the doctor's office. The doctor wouldn't let me go through the window, <laughs> through the door, unless I paid my $25 copay. And then I got some other random copay from someone else and fought it. And it just like, no, it didn't go anywhere. I had to pay it. Like I, I told him I'm not paying this. I paid my copay at the window. You wouldn't have let me in if I didn't pay my copay. And it just didn't get anywhere and ended up having to pay the $25, but it was just frustrating how that, you know, worked out. It's, it's crazy. I wish, I wish pricing for medical was more upfront. And I think they need to also include like for credit, like a credit profile is, is skewed. Income needs to be a factor in your credit profile. I mean, who am I going to lend to? So I've got a set. Let's look at the two same scenarios. 750 credit score. Let's forget what's on his credit bureau. That makes $12,000 a year or a 700 credit score that makes $120,000 a year. Who are you going to lend to? Who's, who is better? Well, the credit score says they're exactly the same. Income needs to be a, a factor. And like, and it needs to be, I don't know if it'd be self-reported or if they somehow linked to IRS and that, that, that's like big brother. Everyone would freak out. You link your social and your credit profile to your IRS that everyone would, <laughs> the tinfoil hats would be out and people would be freaking out. But some the, the income needs to play, have, have a play in your credit score. Yeah. Well, I, I know getting approved for stuff like mortgages are hundred percent. It's just income, credit and assets. But in other, in other avenues, like you shouldn't, I don't know. It's mostly like for your like internal banking score, like when you're looking at somebody. But I think like in your in your actual like so it's like your FICO score that should be ranked upon your income or or you know your your stability, like how long have you been in your job, yeah. things like that. Stability, ability, and willingness to pay. Those should be things that people look at when making a loan decision. Yeah, well, I do, <laughs> but <laughs> car. I guess cars are a little bit different. Yeah, but, but yeah, I don't know. I think. It's important. It's like I remember on um, Stories of Gumption, you talked about look at the total, the total amount you're paying over the life of the loan. It's so important, right? Especially with cars, because interest adds up quick. Yeah, if you can double up on a payment or add even a little bit extra to principal, it's huge differences in the amount of interest you pay. I feel like the best thing to do is first, first pay off all your credit cards because credit cards are the worst interest they ever. Are, yeah, and then just make a list of. All right, this is like make a list by interest and how much you're getting charged each month and just slowly pay that off or as quick as you can. Yep. Live like you're broke till you're rich and then keep living like you're broke. That's how the rich get richer. Mm-hmm. And just the time value of money. Like the time value of money amazes me. If you if you look at a chart of, if you invest, I don't know, let's say, what do you think? So $100 a month. I wonder how I could Google this quick. Compounding interest. Well like, well, like the penny a day doubled. Would you rather have a million dollars or a penny a day doubled for 30 days? You ever seen that one? It's like <laughs> it's like $36 million or something stupid like that. Yeah, this like, a do- like a million dollars today or a penny a day doubled every day for 30 days. It's some sort of stupid, absurd number. I don't remember what it no, is. No, I know but... it's a penny a day doubled. Man, I need, a, I need a young Jamie on here so I can... Uh, I Who's that? from joe rogan podcast oh yeah i don't i need somebody to look at my stuff it's just me i know phone. right stats man we need a stats man you know if you're looking for an internship and you want to communications majors office, <laughs> you gotta be quiet most of the time but whenever i need something you better look it up quick how about that yeah i don't know i feel like getting involved in your community is i think that's by far the best thing i've done in my career like just Right yeah, you're I, everywhere, man. I, try, I always see. I know. I try and be. I'm like, how the hell does Matt Craig know that person? That's, I, I, that's so funny. Uh, that's something like, I'm like, man, you know, you're, you're definitely out there. There's no doubt about that. You've got a good social media presence. And 
I try and I try and yeah. hit him with the. I don't hit him with. I I went through a pier where I hit him with the mortgage facts too much and my, my people don't want to hear that. So like, have you ever? Um, uh, wow, I just had a brain fart. But um, how to win friends and influence people? Tales so, Carnegie. Yes, I never read it, but go out and get that. I have I I, I haven't bought it, but I have like the audio book of it. Great. The number one spoken word. This was a study from like the seventies from probably like Ma Bell Communications. Um, but it was like the number one spoken word is I. People don't, I mean, this is like rough to say, but people don't care about what you have going in your life. They don't care. They want to be able, people will like you and generally want to be around you if you let them talk about themselves, which is kind of crazy. But if you ask people questions about themselves and let them talk about themselves, they, the way they feel around you, they, they're like, I like being around this person. But why is it? Because they're allowed to talk about themselves. Strange, isn't it? Now tomorrow on the golf course, make four. <laughs> I know, right? You're replaying you, my reverse psychology. How are you really feeling today? <laughs> Forrest, have you Get in my me? head and I'm going to shoot 120. Lately? <laughs> oh, man. What are what do you think of golf? Like, what's your – do you love it for the mental aspect, the physical oh, aspect? Oh, man. Like, I, what's, your, I, what's your favorite I have, like, a love-hate relationship because, like, I, I really do love golf. I mean, I played it for a long time. I mean, only recently have I really started actually playing more and taking it serious. But it's like it's the most frustrating yet satisfying game you'll ever play. Like it's, it's like it intrigues you. Like it's like one day you won't be able to hit your irons and you'll be hitting your woods great. Next day you can't hit your woods and now you can hit your irons. Like it's an ever evolving. It's just such a, such a like a mind numbing thing to play. You know, it's so hard. It's like the absolutely. I mean, the hardest sport I've ever played. Yeah. It's, to be good at. I mean, anybody can play it and just suck. I mean, everybody can go out there I do that. and suck like we do. You, you know, guys still let me play. But with like you guys. to to play it and, and like to to like try to be good. It's 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 hard. It, it is hard. Like, you know what these guys go through. Like the the mental strength you have to have to go out there and shoot. What is it? Four rounds over. You know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Four rounds and, and stay in the game and be able to play a consistent game over those four rounds to win a championship. It's it's. I, I couldn't. I can't even. I can't even win when I play with my friends. I couldn't imagine going against the best golfers in the world. Yeah, I try. It's weird. I I, I almost shoot my best when I don't warm up. I feel like if I try too. It's hard. weird. Like and, the, and that that will work for you. Like I did that too. Like I've gone through times where like oh if I go for the the range for twenty minutes before I, I golf I do so much better. But then there's times where I don't play. Like I'll go on vacation. And I won't play for three weeks and I'll come back and shoot the best round I've ever played. I it's such like, a situational feeling that moment that day that time it, there's no like you, there's nothing you can like oh i played good last week so this week i'm gonna play great like it never nothing carries forward it's like it's just a constant you know i have yeah. where i just i just put put the hand down like a flag and i'm just like I yeah hit it right there that's the best part and, and, and i was talking it's funny i was talking to aaron about this is you you're 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 gonna be a really good golfer once you can get contact down because you have a very good swing we were. It's funny because we were actually both talking about your golf swing. It's just kind of creepy. When do you guys see my golf swing? We well, golf you with see you. mine. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> you have a consistent swing and you have a good swing and a controlled swing. Once you you're able to make a kind of, you're gonna be good. You're gonna get good at golf fast once you're able to pick up that one one thing he was saying. Dude, better than me you, you will be because i don't i have a horrible swing a like he he videotaped me like and i watched like i bob my head up and down my arms are everywhere like i have like a you know have you seen the the new guy on the tour that kind of has a crazy swing and everyone kind of made fun of him it uh, worked though it I, works though but <laughs> he's I, I have a crazy swing and it doesn't work for me so yeah 
Yeah, it's such a. That's why I enjoy it. It's just a mental game as much as a physical game. And like I used to love jujitsu because of that, because it wasn't. It was you versus yourself, but it was also you had to react to whatever the other person was doing. Right. And that's the nice part about golf, where there's no choke or get choked out. Yeah. That's life, baby. <laughs> life doesn't get <laughs> any easier. Dog. So what purchase of $100 or less has most positively impacted your life in the past few years? Uh, $100 or less. Hmm. I would say charcoal toothpaste. Have you brushed your teeth with charcoal activated toothpaste yet? No. No. Life changing. Get yourself a tube. It's like five bucks. Where can I buy? Anywhere. I, I don't think I, I think I buy mine at Target. Um, what's, what's but it's like all natural. It? It's black toothpaste. Like your mouth turns black when you brush your teeth. It's the weirdest thing. But if it's like the freshest, cleanest. Your mouth feels one hundred. Yeah, one hundred, and it it whitens your teeth. Like, why have we been using uh, – this one I think is fluoride-free because I don't like using fluoride. But I don't trust fluoride either. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's well government mind the, control. On that's it. why I'm so smart. <laughs> I just, Stay away from that fluoride. No, uh, yeah. That's the first thing I thought of. But No, it makes sense. It's little stuff like that, that sort of uh, – I don't know. You it's great. Learn, I would never go back something. to regular toothpaste again. Damn, homie. Charcoal activated black tooth. It makes your teeth black when you brush it. You think I can get that at a local drugstore? You think Probably. Target? Yeah, I, I get some like Target granola brand, like one ones they like, hey, we're going to do business with you because we care about small business. Care about one of those time. companies. I don't know what it was. You buy them down on the price, you get them down to four bucks a tube. Yeah, I'm like haggling with the, <laughs> the guy at the front of Target. They have this at Walmart for three ninety nine. Oh, I have a gangster example of somebody who, this, it's not even gangster because this is a little bit wrong, but uh, this person would she would have a receipt of a dry cleaning <laughs> and it, she would do this to national chains. She would it's say, nothing new, man. There's so many scams out there. She would say, um, Oh, your server, your server dropped a beverage on me. It wasn't a big deal, but could you please cover this bill? And yeah. when you know, she'd get checks. Yeah, without, absolutely. I got to start doing stuff like that. People, I, that, we used to have a car porter. Test. We had a could No, definitely not. We had a car porter that used to come, a car porter, someone that like, moves the cars around the lot and stuff and washes them whenever you need them. He would come and ask for our lunch receipts because he would go back to those restaurants and complain and say the meal had something wrong with it and get free dinner. But granted, he was like, he didn't, he wasn't making a lot of money. And like, I gave it to him when he asked for it, but I was like, this guy. <laughs> oh man. Not the most honest, but if it works for you, it works for you. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta compete with them to win. If you could have dinner with any three people, who would it be? Hmm? Any three people dead or alive, whether it's family members or people who you... You want another question? We don't have to hit that yeah, one. Yeah, man, come on. That's... that's tough out there. Yeah. What do you want me to say? Gandhi? Gandhi, obviously <laughs> number one. So what do you do when you feel overwhelmed, under-focused, or sort of lost your focus? Like, how do you get back on, whether it's... You know, let's say numbers are hard. Like, you're looking at numbers all day. Right, like, so tax season's crazy. Like, we we don't at this firm I work for now, we don't work crazy hours, but I mean, it, it, it's busy. I mean, you're, you're constantly, it's uh, just switching gears from that and going from being really busy to slowing down and being able to keep yourself occupied. It's like, it's, it's different. It's sure. For sure. A big change. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's just, just getting back to the task. Like I've been trying to, I've been trying to get rid of 
or I, I use focal filter and I'll like block, What's that? I'll block Facebook for a few hours on my computer and stuff like that. Cause I'm badly addicted to social media. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I have a problem. Like, like when my, like I have to clear my notifications out on my phone. I, I think it's probably some sort of, are you an Android or iPhone? iPhone. But like, I, I can't have notifications, something telling me I have a new email or new, I, I don't like it. It's like, it bothers me. So I have to clear it out. So like this times throughout the day when it vibrates or whatever i have my watch and it will tell me and Dude, it's that's like, why i always get accounting answers right away <laughs> you do i know because right i know i'm squirrel <laughs> I'm, gonna use, I'm gonna use that to my advantage now uh, so tell me tell me a little bit about no tax like what does your business do who's a good customer to use you stuff like that so no tax is a cloud-based accounting firm um all the uh, all the things they offer are cloud based. Um, work can be done. Like I don't even have to meet you to be do your work. I mean, as long as you can provide some documentation that says you're who you are. Um, I offer cloud based solutions for payroll, cloud based solutions for bookkeeping, back end replacement, um, tax, all the all those items. Um, so my ideal customers or clients would be. Cause I'm, uh, service-related businesses. Um, I mean, I'm not looking to get like gigantic manufacturing company. I know what, what, what my client is. It's a mm-hmm. small, local, um, someone that needs help with, you know, organizing organizing their business and organizing their things in uh, that's tech-savvy, really. I mean, that's what I'm looking for, someone that uh, utilizes apps and utilizes technology to their advantage and um, can leverage their time and in, in fact, be able to focus more on the things that they know and what they are passionate about for their business. Because, I mean, if you're a, let's say you're a woodworker and that's what you do, you're passionate about, you're a great woodworker. Um, do you want to be spending your time, you know, five, ten hours a week doing bookkeeping, making sure everything's being paid? I mean, there's so many regulations and so many things out there that you have to be in compliance with that <coughs> it's better off to, you know, outsource those things and that's someone that, that yeah, may, may take you five hours a week, but maybe I can do it in a half an hour a week. You know, maybe I can leverage technology to be able to do things electronically that typically before someone had to do data input. Nowadays, you don't have to do data input. Um, a lot of like the QuickBooks links to your bank account and a lot of the cloud-based software links to your bank account and pulls transactions through. And you almost are like acting as if segregating. You're just pushing things into different expense categories or different uh, balance sheet related uh, categories and there's rules you can set up and all sorts of stuff in, in that technology just really changed the way accounting is done i mean a lot of the stuff that required say a bookkeeper may not you may not need a bookkeeper anymore maybe you need an accountant looking at your stuff monthly and you let you let the system do it and and those types of things i mean so that's what i offer yeah it just makes makes life a little bit easier and you can just sort of focus on focus on what your you, business what yeah, you know best business. i mean yeah exactly you 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 decided to be self-employed or you decided to start this side gig or you decided to do this thing because you're passionate about something whether it's making adirondack chairs or uh selling uh pasture raised pork and <laughs> and free range eggs uh th- that's what you're passionate about you do that because you like it you do that because uh it's something you're interested in not everybody's interested in doing bookkeeping i mean I'm not really that interested in doing bookkeeping, but, you know, it pays the bills. Yeah, that's what you know, man. You're an expert at it. No, it's important. It's important to just do what you're best at and really focus on that and try and try and have other people do stuff that you, know, right. you don't I mean, want to focus on or you're not the best wh- at. Whether you decide to or not, 
technology is going to change industries and it has and we, we see it to this day so it's like you can either like so right now it's like there's a lot of old school and old school mentalities and old school practices that are done in, in accounting and there's like a whole new age of ai and machine learning and automation that can be that's being done right now in accounting like there's tech startups and companies that are specifically doing AI for, you know, audit work, you know, like machine learning and being able to utilize drones, like say, like in accounting, like who do you think you'd be able to use a drone for accounting? But typically when you're, say you're auditing uh, agricultural and you're looking at plots of land, what do you do? Walk out there and look at the land or if you can send a drone up and, and, and get all that, it can do the math and decide and, and, and know how many trees you have in your orchard or you know whatever that may be like technology is changing so you can either be on the front end side of it or the back end side of it i myself would like to be on the front end side of it gotta get ahead technology it's coming yep zillow mortgage is coming the online experience but rocket mortgage yeah it's also important to key and peel you trust <laughs> and you know it's i think it's the best of both worlds like having the meet somebody shake their hand work with someone you trust but somebody who's also going to use the technology to the best their right advantage. yeah exactly well hey man thank you so much for being on this week's episode of craigcast and everybody we will see you next week for another exciting episode of craigcast and again thank you so much to all of my sponsors and i hope everyone has a wonderful week